All right, Romans chapter 12. There are, there are several different types of messages, um, and I don't know if one's necessarily right or wrong style-wise. There is um, what someone would call expository preaching, and that's just going through, taking a verse and going verse by verse, um, just taking and starting at it and uh, you know, even going through other verses to support it, but you're just simply going verse by verse. And we've done uh, a lot of Bible studies that way, uh, uh, since I've been here, we've looked at First and Second Peter and several several books in the New Testament, Exodus, um, just seeing what God has to say, um, and uh, all of it's profitable. Then there's there's um, topics like um, uh, like a topical message where you you have a topic and um, uh, verses throughout the Bible to support that that topic. Um, it could be a topic on marriage, and so you just take and you you know verses to support that topic, topical preaching. I don't know if one's right or wrong. Um, uh, everyone has a different style they like. And then just Bible studies. And, and um, um, then to, message like tonight, I, wanna, I, want to, um, I want to go to a passage of Scripture and, and, and really just give, give explanation about um, even deeper than just um, what we're able to read. If I could go through and read the entire book of Romans tonight, we could do that. And, uh, you know, when this was given, it wasn't given in chapter and verse. It, it was a letter. You know, they, they, the, the church would receive the letter, and um, they'd sit down and read that letter. Could you imagine sitting at a church service and reading 16 chapters out of the book of Romans? You know, uh, but that's what they did in New Testament church. They passed these letters around when Paul wrote the First Corinthians. Um, it wasn't called First Corinthians. It wasn't divided into chapter and verses. It was a letter written to the church at Corinth, and they'd go to the houses and they'd read it, and the and the, and the people pass that letter through. Um, I want to I want to talk about a a, a subject tonight. Um, there's a difference between religion and the gospel. Would you agree with that? How many of you would say this? I grew up religious. Grew up in a religious system. My my um, my father-in-law uh, grew up in a religious system, and, and he um, he he was he was like a really really nice bad guy. Like he's always been a nice guy, but he's always been a bad person. Like he'd tell you, um, he 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 he'll tell you I was I'm a, I was a thief. He um, he worked on um, uh, at the Philadelphia International Airport, and that's back in the time that I uh, got a job right after high school, and those are the days where there was a catering service, and the catering service, they catered all the airplanes. The airplanes didn't have their own catering services. Well, you know, those little bottles uh, of alcohol they would put on the airplanes. My father-in-law would find those uh, somehow in the back of his trunk and uh, um, find himself on a side road outside of the Philadelphia International Airport and um, just happen to someone to give him money for those, and that was kind of his part-time job that... Uh, he he had and he but he was a nice guy if somebody needed something he'd buy him something you know he was kind of like a nice thief um but he'd tell you he was a liar he was a drunk uh, or he drank I, I don't know i wouldn't call him a drunk but he 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 would he would drink he um and then what he could do then is is you could live that life and then um there was one day a week he could go and and just confess it all and you're fine. And he'd leave. And you know what he would leave after, after uh, 
he'd leave confessing all that. He'd leave and he'd start doing the same thing over again. And, um, but he went and he confessed it, so he was good. And then it, but, but his religion, um, it never changed his life. It was a covering, but it was just, it was just, it was just religion. And there's a lot of, of religion, um, uh, religious practices, and, and I want to look, let me, let me read, um, and then I, I'll kind of share my heart with you on this, because I, I, believe, I believe this. Our, we, we can find religion even in churches like ours. I, um, um, we're, we're, even where there's truth, we can still behave in just a, a religious way. Paul, Paul through, again, I don't have the time to read through all the book of Romans. How many of you have read through the book of Romans? It's, it's a difficult book. It really is a difficult study. But if I could break it down for you just to understand, Romans 1 through chapter number 11, um, it is, it's Paul, Paul diving into what the gospel is like a really, really deep study of what the gospel is. He's writing to the Romans, you know, and, and, and he's introducing the gospel in a generation when the gospel, it's not well known. It's, it's first generation, um, and he's introducing people that were steeped in religion to the gospel. And this isn't adding what you already have. This is the gospel. This, this changes everything. And so he takes 11 chapters and really digs into what, what the gospel is. And then, and then in chapter number 12, um, and through the rest five chapters or, or, or so, what, what it, whatever it is there, he then gives us what the result of the gospel is in us. So this is what the gospel is. And there's one word that transitions from what the gospel is to what it does to you, and that's that word, therefore. And he says in verse number 12, uh, chapter 12, verse number 1, he says, I beseech you, therefore. That's, a, that's, a, that's a, an important word, because what he's saying is, therefore. What, what I just got done saying, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He says this, this is what the gospel is, and this is what the gospel does for you. Changes you. The, the power, would you agree with this statement? The power of the gospel is able to do something that no religion is able to do at all. Would you agree with that? The power of the gospel is able to do something that no religion is able to do at all. And today, um, we're going to look at the difference between the gospel and in religion. Now, please, please don't just turn me off saying, well, I'm saved. I, I already know what the gospel is. Because the thing is this, and I see this. I see this often. I see this often in counseling. I see this often in conversation. We, we're very religious, and we're letting religion, if we're not careful, define who we are instead of the gospel. Um, both, both religion and the gospel can change you. But they do it, they do it 
entirely different ways. Right? Religion, somebody, you ever hear somebody say, I found religion? I was a bad person, I found religion. Somebody, you know, somebody in jail, I found religion, I, j- I found jailhouse religion. The gospel is not changing a new, turning over a new leaf. The gospel isn't changing denominations. It's not what the gospel is. That's religion. Um, both, both can change you, but, but they do it entirely different ways. Religion works on, on externally because it's, it's trying to shape your behavior. So what religion does is religion says, let me make you look good outward, and if I can make you good, look good outward, it'll change your behavior. The, the law, just obey the law, and, and your behavior will change. Just as long as externally everything looks good, and, 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 and you know this is true. You, you, you would understand this. Religion, we, we, we follow religion so that we look good. And we, we can clean up everything really, really good, but inside be really, really bad. Would you agree with that? You heard the story of the little boy, his, his teacher, his teacher, he was being really bad in school, and his teacher told him to go sit in the corner. And, um, and he refused to sit in the corner, and the teacher said, sit in the corner. He didn't go to the corner, and finally said, if you don't go to the corner, I'm going to sit you in the corner. And he went and he sat down in the corner on a chair, he said to the teacher, I'm sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. Religion does that. I got everything the way you want it to be on the outside, but inside, I'm not going for this. And, and so religion works on the external. The gospel works on the internal, and, and, and it's... And it, it changes your behavior by changing your heart. Did, did you get that? Don't, don't, get, don't miss that. The gospel is a change of the internal, and your behavior changes because your heart changes. Religion, you just change the outward. Follow law, make sure everything looks good. All that's changed is the outward, but the gospel changes you from the inside, and because you're changed on the inside, therefore the result of being changed on the inside is your behavior changes. Not because you have to, but because you want to. Do you ever do, you ever do something because you had to do it? Like you were forced to do it, and, and you didn't want to do it, and so you got nothing from it, and you complained the whole time you did it. Versus, I do this because I want to. And, and, and we're seeing the difference, religion and, and the gospel. It's a difference between, you, you can look at it this way, the, the difference between religion and the gospel. It's a difference between mechanical change and organic change. There's a big difference between mechanical change and organic change. If, 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 um, if, if, you, um, if you wanted to grow a tree, how would you grow a tree? If you plant it in the ground, what does a tree need to grow? What would you do? A bush, a tree, a flower. Water. If, if a, in order for that to grow, something that's organic, something that has life in a seed, in order for it to grow, what do you have to do? You have to add water to it. All right? Now, how many of you have you've ever played in a sandbox? If you had a sandbox and you played it and your kids played it and, and, and you got one over the sandbox and it was half empty, if you put water in that sandbox, are you going to grow sand? What do you have to do to fill the sandbox back up? You have to put new sand in it. It's a mechanical thing. 
The religion is just, there's no growth in it. It's just mechanical. I add things to it. And, 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 and uh, organic or the gospel, it, it changes you when it's, when it's because it's watered. It changes you from the outside in. Mechanical changes from the outside. The gospel, the gospel by contrast, changes your behavior by changing the attitude, changing the affections of your heart. That's the difference between religion and the gospel. The, re- the gospel changes your attitude. It changes your affection. It changes your heart. It does what religious changes won't do. And, and religion, religion changes. It, it won't work because even though it, it can coerce your behavior, guilt you into behaving the same way, it, it won't actually change your motivation. And what God wants is not a group of people that, that conform in the behavior in mechanicalism. God, God, God's after a, a people. What he's desiring is a group of people that love him. And, and, and stay with me. This is just by, interway, by way of introduction because I, I want you to get this and see this because we have a good way of many a times... If, if you're here tonight and you're just a religious person um, and you're not saved, then this will be a great study for you. If you're saved and you behave in a religious way, this should help you as well. God wants a people that love him with all his heart, with all his soul, with all their mind. Matthew, write this down and, and you can turn to this in your study. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Anybody know what that verse says? You know what it says? You find that same in Mark, if, in, in the same verse is found in Mark chapter 12, verse number 30. Matter of fact, in Luke, Luke chapter 10. So you write this down, Matthew twenty two thirty seven. 37. Um, Thou shalt love thy God with all thy soul, or with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. He says the same thing in Mark chapter 12. Luke, Luke's gospel even adds this. It says all of those things and with all thy strength. You know, you know, you know what the gospel does? The gospel gets every part of you. Starting from the inside. It's every, it's every part of you. It changes every, it changes every single part of you. It's, it's not a surface, it's not a surface outward. Love is an inward change that the gospel does. The gospel changes your heart. So that you can love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And you can't, you can't be forced to do something you don't love to do. You can't be forced to do something you don't love to do. And that's the dilemma that mankind is in when it comes to religion and when it comes to the gospel. And so the law was instituted, and someone thinks this, if I just, if I just obey the law, then I'm, I'm accepted. Picture this, if you would. The law would be like a railroad track. It shows us the direction that we we are to go, but the law is powerless to make you go along the tracks. The law shows you where to go, but it can't make you go there. You understand that? It gives us the direction, but it doesn't give us the power to get there. It just, it's the track, but it's not the engine. It's just a desk, it's a path. The gospel, the gospel that Paul is speaking about in the first 
uh, uh, 11 chapters of Romans that he says, therefore, because of what we just talked about, therefore, that gospel, it's the power that changes the heart. Religion doesn't change the heart. The gospel changes the heart. Religion can't change you from the inside. The gospel can. So, so it changes us, uh, changes the heart so that we learn to love God. Religion doesn't teach you to learn to love God. The gospel does. The gospel, and, and it gives us the power where obeying the commandments of God becomes instinctive. So how, so am I saying that it's not good to obey the law? I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you're doing it just to obey the law to think that's going to get you someplace, that's religion. You can't even obey the law. You're going to fail. But the gospel, what the gospel does, it changes us from the inside. And now when we see the law, we want to do these things because we love God. Not because of religion. The gospel changes us not by uh, commanding something, but, but the gospel changes us by revealing something to us. In 1 John 4.19, the Bible says this, we love him because he first loved us. Write that down in your notes and study that verse. And study that, the context of that verse. 1 John 4.19, we love him because he first loved us. Growing, write this in your heart, please. Growing in our awareness, in our love of God, it will produce, it's going to produce our love for God in us and through us. Okay, growing, growing in our awareness, in our love of God is going to produce something. Religion doesn't produce this. Only salvation does. Only the gospel does. In Romans 12, 1, then again, let's go back to this, this verse. Let's get into our, by way of introduction, all that is to get us to this place, this simple word, that word, therefore. In the book of Romans, you, you, you see these chapters, as I said, that's a deep explanation of the Bible. We come to this pivotal verse, therefore. That word, therefore, it all, it connects the two sections, uh, and, and Paul expects that, that, there's a radical change that he describes in the first 11 verses, what the gospel does. He then goes into five chapters and says, this is the radical change that takes place because of the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ radically changes an individual. This, this simple, well, I, I, I prayed. And so in, 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 the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. But, but if I say I'm a tomato, by just saying it doesn't make me a tomato. By just repeating something doesn't make me anything. This, the gospel, the gospel, when somebody truly trusts Christ as their Savior, it radically changes them because the Holy Spirit of God now indwells them and it changes them from the inside out. There's no radical change in religion because there's no change inside. It's all done in your flesh. The gospel has nothing to do with your flesh. It has everything to do with the power of God inside of you. He does the work. Where religion, man, does the work. Everybody with me? I see you dozing. I see a lot of people dozing. Am I boring you or are you just, are you just tired? Is it hot? How many of you are hot? Huh? All right. How many of you are bored? All right. 
I mean, if you're religious, you don't want to hear it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get into this. And, 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 and hear this, please, because this, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, anything I say this evening is not meant to be offensive. And I'm not just saying I see this in our church, although, be honest with you, I do. This message tonight is a pastoral message. If, if somebody listens to the podcast and gets something from it, then, then, then wonderful. But tonight, is a, it's, a, it's, it's a message to our church. The mercies of God, he says this, therefore I beseech you, therefore, brethren, what by the mercies of God? What is he talking about? What are the mercies of God? It's the gospel. The mercies of God. What is that? The gospel. You don't deserve this, but you received it. We deserve hell. We deserve, we deserve to pay for our own sin debt, but the mercies of God is what? Jesus came to this world. What's the gospel? The death, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the mercies of God. What Paul is saying is, I beseech you therefore, everything I just said, now I beg of you because of the gospel, because of the mercies of God, because of the gospel, I, I beg of you this. The mercy of God, the gospel, it's the basis of change. And it's describing what will happen in your life. The gospel changes you. If it doesn't, it's not real. It's religion. Do you, do you know this? You can go to India and you can say that to, the, to those that live in India, Jesus Christ loves you. And they'll say, great, give me his picture. And they put it on the, the display with with the other 30 gods that they should pray to because they don't want to offend any God. They didn't get saved because they put a picture of Jesus up and they prayed to Jesus that day. They put him up as a God, a little G, with all the other gods that it's in their religion. And that's not going to change anything. That's just religion. But the gospel, the gospel, the mercies of God, it's the basis of our change. It's the basis that it's describing this is what happens. Paul says, when you're saved, this, 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 this salvation that I'm speaking of for these first 11 chapters, when you're saved, something happens inside of you. He says, now it's, you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable. It changes who you are. And then what happens is Romans chapter 12, verse number two, you, you, you have a renewed mind. It's a renewed mind in the gospel. He, you, you don't see things the way you used to see things. Because of the gospel, because you view life now through the lens of the gospel, you don't do what you used to do. And it's the gospel that changes that. These that, these that just, just, Add something to their life, religion, they, they never change and they, 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 they remain the same and they just, they just add something to their life and go through the motions of it and it's not changing them. Nothing inside of them is different. Their actions aren't different. How they behave isn't different. And the reason why is because it's not the gospel. It's religion. It's religion. And listen here. Religion changes you externally by adding things to your life. Now hear me, please. Hear me. If you pinch yourself, pinch the person next to you if you have to. 
Listen to this. If you, I promise you tonight, if you listen to this, this will help you. Religion changes you externally by adding things to your life. What do you mean by that? Religion makes you busy. It makes you busy because it adds things to your life. You have to go someplace now. There are some people that are here tonight because of religion, not because you want the gospel. Because it's your duty. There's people that serve out of a total religious experience. It it causes you, religion causes you to do things. And sometimes, and most of the time when it's done out of religion, it wearies you. You get tired of it. It it can make you resent God because he's forcing you to do things you really don't want to do. But if you don't do them, you get the feeling of damnation in... If I don't do this right, God's going to be mad at me. And so I do what I do, not because I love God. I do what I do because I don't want him to be mad at me. That's religion. And listen to me, religion wearies you. Because you can't continue to do it in your own strength and survive. You know what? Most people get tired of religion. They walk away from it. I, I can't keep doing this. I just feel like I can't do enough. And, and, and the more I do, the more I have to do. Because the more I'm doing, I want to be pleasing God. I don't want to be mad at me. So I keep doing all these things. And I feel empty inside. And I'm wearied. And now I'm just going to walk away. And that's what religion makes you feel. It's a mechanical change. Now, listen, organic change, your behavior changes because you change. There's a difference. Mechanical change is, is, is religion. Organic change, your behavior changes because you change. You're different. Things that are alive bear fruit of what's in them. Do you agree with that? What's in you, you bear fruit. What's in you comes out. When somebody's angry all the time and, and, and they're constantly apologize for being angry, I don't know, I'm just not acting like myself. No, you are. You behave like you are. And what comes out of you is what's in you. You might not like what comes out of you, uh, and you might try to justify it, or you might try to pretend that doesn't that, that statement's not real, or but the reality is this: what's in you comes out. When you're kind. It's because your inside is right. That's why some can just on almost immediately something doesn't happen the way they want don't want to happen, and they get angry. I I was driving down Dussel today, and in this fella, I, I he just just went right into my lane, like just into my lane. I'm like, you just about hit me. And, and, then, and then he pulls over to next lane over, and I thought, oh, no, this guy's going to, like, he's going to shoot me. He slows down so he could see me. And I'm thinking to myself, you about ran me off the road, hit me, and now he's going to pull up and shoot me. And so I'm driving, and I'm looking at this guy, and 
what he does is he starts apologizing. He starts, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, talking through windows, and, and I'm, I'm giving him the thumbs up, and we're talking, and we both cut the next people off because we're looking at each other instead of the road, and if you looked at us, he's, he's giving me this, I'm giving him this back, I'm like, okay. You know, we're, we're talking in sign language, and even this new sign language, and you ever handle that situation differently? Somebody, somebody, somebody that can be involved, somebody that can teach a class, and somebody that can sing, and somebody that can serve in the church, and on their way to church, they're fuming and mad, and they don't even want to get there. Fighting. Get there and put the smile on and serve. It's religion. It's religion. Because what's in you comes out. And listen to this, though, please. The gospel, the gospel changes you. You start to desire God and you start to desire righteousness. What the gospel does to you is it causes you and gives you a desire for God and it gives you a desire for righteousness. That's why a person who the gospel is affecting their life and they're, they're listening to the Holy Spirit of God, Paul says, uh, I paraphrase, but shall we continue in sin? God forbid. If anybody thinks that the gospel gives you a license to sin because you have liberty to make your choice, and listen, I'm, I'm free. You don't understand the gospel. You understand religion. And, and is the gospel, you start to desire God, and you start to desire righteousness. And that's the kind of change the gospel brings inside of you. And that's what Romans 12 is talking about. The gospel changes you drastically. It changes, it changes who you are. It changes how you think. It changes how you feel. It changes how you view life. Your life, how you were before you were saved. You understand what the gospel is now that you're saved. He says, therefore, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, by the gospel, for the gospel's sake, do something with the gospel. Therefore, in light of the mercies of God, you're going to be transformed. It's going to renew your mind. Your mind's going to be different. And, 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 and why doesn't religion work? And, and tonight, I want to answer that question. Why doesn't religion not work? Romans chapter 1, verse number 23. I won't have the time to read through all of Romans um, chapter 1. But you know what Romans chapter 1, specifically verses 23 and those few verses surrounding 23 it talks about our sin. You know, you know, our original sin is what? It's idolatry. You worship whatever you deem to be essential for your life and happiness. Write that down, please. You worship whatever you deem to be essential for life and happiness. That's what you worship. You worship whatever you deem whatever you deem to be essential for life and happiness. She said, I don't believe that. Take something out of your life that you desire and see who you worship. Now, we want to say in the gospel, listen, it's Christ and Christ alone. We have songs about Christ and Christ alone, and he's sufficient. He's all I need. Take something else out of your life, and you'll see if he's sufficient or not. 
the gospel, a gospel-centered person, they're grounded. They're, 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 it's Christ. It's, it's all I need. You, you can have anything else, but I've got Christ. I'm happy because I have Christ. Our human nature, you know what our human nature is? I want what makes me happy. And you, what, when you desire what makes you happy and you keep what makes you happy, it becomes an idol to you. We, um, we find, we find um, the story of Abraham and Isaac. You know what, what God, did God want a, uh, Abraham to kill his son? Was that what he was after? A- Abraham, I want to see if you're a murderer or not. No, what did he want? What did this, the Bible tells us clearly. I just wanted to know, make sure you love me more than anything else. God doesn't want to take it all away from you. He, he's not saying I, you can't have anything now that you're saved. I'm taking everything away. What he's saying is anything you have, I want to be better. I want to be more. I want you to find your sufficiency in me, not a religious system, not in what you do, not in what you have, not in what you possess. I want you to be satisfied in me. And that's what the gospel does. The gospel causes a person to be totally satisfied. Before, before a, a lost person, life is about me. Life is about making me happy. Life is about getting gain so that I'm happy. The gospel should change all of that. Life is no longer about me. Life now is about Christ. Now, the first sin. I've heard this, I've heard this described, you know, the first sin was the sin of disobedience, right? How many of you heard that? You know, they disobeyed God. If you look at that story, you know what, you know what comes out to be? Idolatry. They saw something and they wanted that something more than they wanted God. Yeah, it's disobedience because they were told not to do it. But when they saw the tree, you know what they wanted? They wanted something they couldn't have. They wanted something. God said this, I'm coming every day and I'm going to meet you in the garden. They didn't need the tree. They had God. And he said, the Bible says he came and he walked in the cool of the day and he'd fellowship with them and, and he was present with them. They had a daily conversation. God met with them on a daily basis. And I don't think it was God was in heaven and they heard his voice. I believe what the Bible says. He walked in the garden with them side by side. I don't know what that looks like. I can't comprehend what that looks like. I just know that's what the Bible said. But there was something that Eve and Adam saw that they said, I've got to have that too. It's idolatry. I can't live without this. I've got to have it. And for, for, for Christians, you know what it could be? Money. Because when God doesn't give you enough of it, you get angry at him. When God allows heartache to come and you lose it, God's not a good God anymore. Are we, are we satisfied with Christ and Christ alone, or are we satisfied with Christ and finances? You know, you know for others, it, it's their marriage. L- l- listen, please, please understand this. I don't believe that your wife or your spouse, your husband, can satisfy you 100%. You know what we look for? We want our spouse to satisfy us 100%. If your spouse can satisfy you 100%, then you don't need God. 
There's areas in my life that my wife can never satisfy me. It's reserved for God. But some want to find it in marriage instead of finding it in God. Some, for, some, for some, their idol is their children. They live for their children. They live for their children. Their life is made up around their kids. Not about raising their kids for God, but raising their kids so that they feel they were good parents. For some, it's status at work. And I know this sounds, there's people, they, their life is who they are at work. I'm somebody, I have a title. And their identity is in that and not in the gospel. And so you take that away from them and they're lost. They can't find their way in life. We don't find our identity in a status or in our marriage or in our finances or in our children. We don't find the accomplishments that we make. We don't find it in, in, in the praise of others. Some, if I don't get, if I, if I, if I don't get, if I don't get affirmation, then boy, is God enough or not? Is the gospel enough or not? And I think, church, we have to ask ourselves this question and, and be serious about it. Is the gospel enough or is, do, we, do we want more? And if you want more, that's idolatry. And that's why we have so many apathetic Christians living in our day. Because if I can have all of this end God, I'll take it. But the truth is, by our behavior, if God takes this, we'd rather have this than God. Because if any of this goes away, we are in crisis mode. God's not good anymore, and He's not fair anymore, and He's, he's not just anymore. And are you even listening to me, God? And, and, and in His Word, He says, I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. It's us that's not satisfied with Him, not Him not wanting to spend time with us. For some, it's accomplishments. For some, it's sexual pleasure. I... I You don't love your spouse because of what they do for you. If you do, that's selfish love. You love your spouse. True love is you love your spouse despite how they do what they do to you. I get up in the morning and I give my wife a kiss. If she doesn't kiss me back, do I get up the next day and give her a kiss? Well, she doesn't respond to me, so I'm going to stop loving you. That's how we live our lives. You don't do for me, I'd stop doing for you. And the problem is some of us live our life in the gospel that way as well. God, you stop doing what I want, and I stop doing what you want. It's so important to you that it drives your behavior. What you love drives your behavior. What you love controls your emotions, your desires. And it drives us more. What we love drives us more than our desire for God. What stresses us out? When it's gone, we can't survive. And ultimately, it's... It's, what behind, it's what's behind all sin. There's something you place a greater weight on than you do about God. 
There's some things that at times, if we're not careful, we can put a greater weight on than we put on our relationship with God. Write this in your heart, please. If you try to correct the behavior before you correct the heart, you just begin using God at best. You know what religion does? Religion uses God. Because religion corrects the behavior, not the heart. You you tell me if I'm wrong. You start to serve him because you want to get something from him, not because you love him. Or, Or you serve him to keep him off your back or avoid punishment or you want him to bless parts of your life. I want God to bless me, so I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do this because I don't want God to be mad at me. It's religion, not the gospel. And listen, that becomes so wearisome to us, and it's not pleasing to God. We don't do things to get from God. You, you hear, have you, have you ever heard it? I've got this, I, I call it, I tell Michelle and I will watch this. It's our favorite televangelist on TV, not because we like him. It's, I can't believe he's still on TV. I can't believe anybody listens to him. I guess they're like me that sits there on Saturday morning and like, this guy, listen to him. If you do this, God's going to do this for you. Listen, if you tithe because you want something back from God, it's idolatry. You tithe out of obedience, not to get something back. You know, so often when we talk about things, we talk about it like that. Do for God so he does for you. Well, what if he doesn't do for you the way you want him to do for you? Do you still love him? Will you still serve him? I had somebody just recently say to me, I've been praying for nine years for this, and God won't answer me, and I'm done with God. I said, because God won't do what, because he's not your genie? That's not the gospel, that's religion. So you ask God for something, and he says no, and you get mad at him. Well, I, I go to church, and, I, and, and they, they read me the list of all these things, and I, say, I said to them, so what? So what? That is religion, and that gets so wearisome. And you know what happens? You throw your hands up. When that is your attitude, and that is what you want out of God, is just simply religion. I do for you, therefore I expect you to do for me. That's not love. And when that's how we serve God, that's not what the gospel does to us. The gospel that Paul is speaking of says this, you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. It's your reasonable service. In verse number two, and be not conformed to this world. Stop thinking like the world thinks. You know what the world thinks? I do for you, you do for me. I rub your back, you rub my back. I grease your palm, you grease my palm, right? That's the way of the world. That's the way of the world. The more you do for others, the more others will do for you. Don't worry, I got your back. This is what the gospel says. 
Be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed. You're different. The gospel of Jesus Christ changes the way you think. You no longer do it anymore. You've got a renewed mind. You've got to stop thinking like you used to think before you were saved. And the gospel is the only thing that can change that. Why do I love God? Because He first loved me. Not because he, if He doesn't keep me healthy and keep me wealthy and keep me wise, then He's not a good God. If I'm not wealthy healthy or wise, He's still a good God. He sent His Son. He bought me with a price, with a great price. That's the Gospel. What God desires is a heart that desires Him. Not something that's done out of religious duty. And What's, what was the first? What was the first effect of Adam and Eve's sin? What was the first thing that they saw? Somebody, not a trick question. What's the first thing they realized? Somebody said they're naked. Let me ask you: so Were they naked before they sinned? They were. They they were naked before they sinned. Why didn't they realize it? Because they. Because of the relationship with God, His grace covered them. Didn't realize it. Didn't notice it. They had a covering. The moment they sinned, you know what they realized? I'm not covered. And what's the first thing Adam and Eve did? Not a trick question. Somebody tell me. What did they do? They covered themselves. And that's exactly what religion tries to do. And that's exactly what man has tried to do since Adam and Eve. They tried to cover their own self. They tried to use their method to feel covered. What did God do? What did God do? This is the salvation story you find in the book of Genesis. You know what God did? He sacrificed a lamb. He shed blood. He clothed you with what he clothed you with. That sacrifice, he clothes you. Religion tries to cover ourselves. God, the gospel, is what clothes you. Clothes you, And that's what God instituted. The human soul. Listen to this, please. The human soul, it's, it's, it has a nakedness, a sense of shame, a, 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 something that's missing. We're born with this. And you know what we do? We, 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 we try to find a way to cover ourselves. We, we try to find a way to be loved. We try to find a way to be worthy. We institute religion. We institute all of these things and we do it for us so that we don't feel naked or exposed. We, we want to be covered. And so we live our lives doing what? Covering ourselves. We try to find a way to cover ourselves. We try to find a way to be worthy, to be loved. And so we establish our worthiness or our worthness. We're, we're, we establish it by this, I'm better than somebody else, so I'm good. I, 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 I find something that sets myself apart from everyone else. And so I, I got into a certain school or I got to a certain job or I, I, I hit this expectation. And, and you know what? Pastors do the same thing. As long as I'm not as small as that church, then I'm okay. As long as I had more numbers this week than that church had, then I'm okay. 
As long as our buildings are better than that church's buildings, then I'm okay. And we, we build this worthness or worthiness based upon our expectations and us and how we feel. That's what man has built religion upon. I do and I'm better than that, so therefore I must be good. It's religion. This covers, their goal is to cover their nakedness. They get religion not, not, be, not, to, not because they love God, but because they're trying to establish their worthiness in God's eyes. I'm going to live a certain way so God sees me as worthy. You can't. Listen, we don't serve God because we want God to see us as worthy. That's what happened at the cross. We don't serve God to get him to love us. I had a conversation I, I, with a fella. Um, he was sending, sending his children to Catholic school. And um, he just had this conversation this week with him. He said, I'm, I, 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 uh, he said, I'm saved and, he says, I'm sending them there. And he says, there's not a whole lot of difference between, you know, what they're going to be taught there and what we believe, meaning like him and I. And I just said this, I, I don't know. I've never been there before. I said, but I would ask you this, is, is, is are they going to be taught that the gospel is sufficient, nothing more? Well, of course. And, and, and I said, tell me about this thing called purgatory. Tell me, tell me about that. Tell, tell me, I'm, I'm not asking if you believe it or not. Just tell me about it. What is it? That's where people go, kind of in limbo. And, and, and I said, how do they get out of there? He said, they can be prayed out. I said, then the, then the cross isn't sufficient. The, the cross isn't sufficient then. If there's another way, then the cross isn't enough. It's not enough. He just kind of looked at me like I had 10 heads. Like, and, and he says, is that, do you think that's a big deal? I said, do, I th- do you think the gospel is a big deal? Well, as long as they got religion and they behave well. Listen, we're not trying to get our kids to behave well. We're trying to see our kids saved, radically changed. We're not trying to be the best behaved people on the street so the cops don't get called to my house as much as they do my neighbor's house. So we're good people. We turn our lights off at Halloween. We must be good people. Well, that doesn't make you saved. I tithe. Well, that doesn't make you saved. I teach. That doesn't make a person saved. And if you're doing those things to find favor with God, that's not the gospel. And so many people go through these emotions and they get to the place they're so, wor- they're so weary because they're trying to find their worth in something they'll never find their worth in. They're doing things for God because they want something from God. He said, no, of course not. Well, let God not give you what you ask for and see what you want to do for God. The, the truth, I go back to the, you know why I... Kiss my wife? Because I want her to kiss me back. It's that simple. It's that simple. 
You know why I hug my kids at night? Because I want to hug back. And if they don't, you know what I say? Get back here. No, you put your arms around me. Try to do it. You try to do that to your 18-year-old son. It don't work like it does when they were five, huh? You get back here and put your... Dad, are you serious? And smile. We're putting this on Facebook. See, sometimes we do things for God because we want something from him. Sometimes our service to God is not born from our love for God. It's actually done in a way to benefit ourselves. Maybe this, is, maybe this is for nobody else but me. But when, I, when I'm studying through and I write that in my notes, it, it just it pierced me right here. Because I'm guilty of times doing, and when God doesn't do, I say, God, this isn't fair. Are you serious? I mean, I got to deal with this person? I got to do that? Do you know how much effort that takes? I, I, I said to someone, we were in Israel, um, and, and they made us walk 10 miles one day. It was, it was it's not like 10, walking 10 miles in Monclova. It's like hills. And we walked from where the Mount of Olives and down to the garden, and, and, and then we walked and, and went over to um, uh, Cephas' house where Peter denied Christ walked there and then we what we did is we walked about it was about a 10 mile trek and it was it was the path of Christ on the on down the via della rosa and through the whole thing up to the temple mount and it was this long walk and, and this person said to me i can't believe we have walked 65,000 steps in 10 miles today it's exactly what they said to me and i said aren't you glad that jesus did the same thing for you and didn't say a word. They looked at me. Okay. But are we done soon? <laughs> I said, not until we put you in the grave. <laughs> but isn't that, it's, it's, can I believe that God expects this from me? And the answer is yes. A God that gave his son and experienced our sin upon the cross, a God who had to, for the first time and the last time ever, turn his back on his son, the one and only time that Jesus says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And when God doesn't do something the way we want it done, we get upset. That's not the gospel. That's not we, first, we love him because he first loved us. That's I love him because of what benefits me. And when it doesn't benefit me, I'm done. You, you know what that sounds like? And, and I say this because I got a couple of them in my house. That sounds like junior high girl stuff. I thought you were best friends. We were yesterday. Like what happened overnight while you were sleeping that caused you not to be now? Just because, Dad, you wouldn't understand. You're right, I wouldn't. Go talk to your mother. <laughs> when we do things, I, I'm done with this. When we do things to get something in return, it's not because of our love for God. It's because of our love of ourselves.
let me say this again. When we do things to get something in return, it's not because of our love for God, it's because of our love for ourselves. And I know the conviction for me in what God did in my heart when I studied this through. And I, as I studied this through on several occasions, I just said, God, am I behaving religiously? Or am I truly letting the gospel impact my life? Am I being renewed? Am I being changed? Am I different? Am I just better than someone else so I think I'm good? Am I going through the motions just so you accept me? Or is all of this because of what the gospel of Jesus Christ has done for me? And it's all out of love. And I had to really ask myself that. You know what I found in my own life? The Bible says, confess your faults one another. You know what I found? There's a lot of things in my life that I just do because of religion. That's because when somebody can get mad at me and hurt me, you know what I say? Fine. It's not what the gospel says. Well, they hurt me first. So? God, I thought you loved me. Why do you let me go through this? You know what the gospel says? Christ, you're enough. Sufficient. Nothing more. I serve you because I love you. You don't get weary serving out of love. You get weary serving out of duty. You get weary serving out of, out of religion. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing in my own heart if I truly served out of love, if I truly let the, the gospel renew my mind? It would change so many things. It would change what I love. It would change what I, I hold dear. It revolutionized my marriage. Do you go do it to get, or do you do it because you love? 